that's good to find gang gang. I just thought about this. I don't even have any notes. But the thought just came into my mind. And you can probably see by the title. But, you know, I've been thinking about what it would mean for us to have a Moses to come at this point in time. And I've, I've had this thought for maybe about a week now. And just formulating my mind, well, you know, what type of person would want a Moses or see the need for a Moses? And is it victimhood to... to desire to have a Moses um, what are we being set free from and why aren't you know you know struggling with why all the other men couldn't have addressed some of the issues and injustices that were going on um, you know everybody just kind of passing the buck and and that type of thing but at the end of the day it's like that person if anybody was going to pass the buck it was going to be Moses he had the gifts and the talents and um, imagine if he were able to say yeah God's going to save us one day and he just sat back and along with everybody else and didn't do anything you know to address the injustices Um, so those are some of the things that I'm just thinking about Um, Saturday Shabbat Shabbat Shalom right get a chance to (laughs) be peaceful and quiet and and think things through and what all of those things mean but what made me you know kind of sit up a little bit and why I'm doing this whole podcast is like whoa wait a minute Zipporah Zipporah was a black woman that was Moses's wife and so now you're introducing this whole element of if we were to have another Moses his wife gonna be black like yo I could be married to a Moses yo like do you know how cool that would be to to be with someone who's out there fighting injustices and being a leader and being his total swag element and in touch with what it means to be divine and understanding that there's nothing weak about being divine. You had a whole body of people, you know, that included the men and as strong as they were, as physically strong as they were, claiming to be divine no one stepped up to fight against the injustices they had the power and the numbers right but a true divine masculine is going to have courage it's going to understand that they have a mission to complete and that they're going to fight it against all odds okay nothing soft about that okay um but yeah and and he got a lot of flack, you know, uh, for for being with the black woman. There were people, even in his own community, that were like, you know, we don't like her because she. And and it says it in there. It says it in the scripture. We don't like her because she's dark skinned They didn't say we didn't like her because she's not taking care of your kids. We don't like her because she's not treating you right. We don't like her because she's not, you know, business minded or contributed to community. No, they said we don't like her because she's dark skinned because she's been kissed by the sun, because she has melanin. Zipporah was just living her best life. Probably this whole time she's there with her husband, having her kids, living her best life. Right? And then he's like, babe, I got to go on mission. I This is what I came here for. Came here for. And she's like, no, we're, we're fine. You know, because the same way he's shown up in that same 
energy is the same way he was showing up in her life before they were called out there. And then it's like to go out there and to be dealing with ungrateful people. You all can read the notes if, if you guys grew up in that Christian background. They was giving Moses all kind of smoke, just being belligerent. You know, they didn't have anything to say. No, you know, quiet as a mom when they're getting ruled by their oppressors, you know, nobody had the courage to come forward and to liberate them. But now as soon as one of their own people come to try to help them now, why we got to do it like this? Why we got to go that? Why we got to be sanitized? Why we got to do these rules and regulations? Why we have to, to live, you know, within royal principles? I understand Moses. Now they want to be saying stuff with their whole entire chest. And so you could probably see like, she doesn't even really come up a lot at all, really. Um, I know that these, you know, the scriptures that the white man has allowed you to see don't really go into it, but there's other books that show more behind the scenes of what was going on with her and give you insight to what was going on in her mind. But it's like, she was just there chilling. And then out of the blue, they're just like, we don't like your black wife. <laughs> and it's like, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, <laughs> you know? And he had to check him. And the cool thing is, the cool thing is, um, for as driven and um, action, because I want to make sure one of the things, one of my pet peeves with like the Hebrew Israelites and Christianity, um, those two in particular, I don't like any man-made religion constructs, man-made constructs or anything like that. Um but the biggest thing is it really grinds my gears when these religious men or these Christian men or Hebrew Israelite men say, oh, God's going to give Zimmerman what he deserved. God's going to punish him. No, no, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, at what point do you recognize that you're Moses? At what point do you recognize that you're David? At what point do you recognize that you're Joseph? At what point do you recognize that you're Jacob and Kayla, um, Jacob and Joshua. Okay. At what point do you realize that you are his hands and feet and it's on you to take action and to make a difference against the injustices of the world? Because right now it's some real stupid, like low vibrational type of thing where it's like well i'm you know i'm just gonna stay in my corner god's gonna take care of it can you imagine if moses took that same pathology and was like you know what god's gonna take care of it and in many ways we still are oppressed you know still suffering the injustices you have these fake people especially like with pastors who are telling you to be at peace and to forgive our oppressors even right now with the police brutality and stuff that's going on. Forgive, forgive. I'll pray for you. I forgive you. Our pastors, the ones who are supposed to tell us and remind us that you are here for a mission, that you can fight to liberate yourself, right? You know, they'll fight you. And then, and so then it gets even more simpish because it's like, no, God has to orchestrate the whole thing. Yeah, he parted the Red Sea, but all up and through that point, Moses had to put one foot in front of the other and show his face and say stuff with his chest to Pharaoh. Nothing emasculated about that. 
So God's going to do the impossible and do what he needs to. But all up and through that point before you at, 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 at me, no. You're going to have to have courage. You look at David, you look at um, Joshua, right? You talk about David. David was out there, you know, annihilating people. Imagine if if um, David was like, oh, snap. And this is just to tell you the same thing, too. When David went to go deal with Goliath, right? Everybody was cowards now. They can't, don't want to say nothing. They want to forgive them. They want to live in peace with them. They want to live in harmony with them. Um, it's just, you know, and the funny thing is, it was even people like Samson, Goliath was a Philistine, and he was one of those people that wanted to sleep with the Philistine Beckys and be at peace with them and forgive them and live on one accord with them. And he just couldn't understand why the Philistines was continuing to try to take him out, try to snuff him out, trying to poke his eyes out, trying to have him, you know, in the temple to be made a mockery of. No, he had to get him a Philistine Becky, right? Same energy. And so the whole army dealing with Saul, Saul was supposed to be a high value man. Saul was supposed to be your your high value man, ladies. He was tall, hovering all among the other men, standing six foot nine, muscular, deep voice, and the whole kingdom was given. He was a whole ruler. And he was sitting in his little tent, scared, shaking in his boots about, against, you know, had a whole mission. And all his other soldiers following his lead didn't have the courage to take it on. Can you imagine if David had come and been like, oh, snap, for real? Yeah, that that Goliath is really one hell of a problem. God's going to take care of him. Y'all have a good day. Be blessed, beloveds. I've done brought you uh, fruitcakes and persimmons and um, pomegranates and figs and goat milk and brought you some leather coats. Y'all be blessed. I'm going to head on out. Head, I'm going right, to head out. I'm going to head back to my father where everything is, you know, nice and comfortable and just can't be bothered. No, he recognized that he was born with everything he needed to. And the funny thing is, there's more men out here that really are equipped to make a difference in the world, that have been in soldier and training, have the education, have the resources, have, know what it's like to run a business, to do construction, to, to really run things, but they're, but they're pussies. David understood, and it's funny, like, it's funny, I'll be talking about, I don't really like religion, but they don't really tell you the way it really should be, right? They taught me how to drill down on this stuff, but then when you start to really drill down, you take the principles, and then you start to really apply it, you start to see things for what they are. So David was like, oh, okay, you know what? I was born here for a mission. I'm going to take action. At the end of the day, yeah, you're going to work with Divine Source. Yeah, sure. But nothing coward about it. I mean, when you talk about David leaned into it, listen, let me tell you, 
Like, I'm telling you, that's the kind of divine masculine. Like, let me fall in love with that. Let me give birth to that type of a legacy. And then that's how you get Samson, right? And even in the book of Proverbs, I have to go back and check and see who his mom was. Samson's mom was, but um, you can hear her voice in the book of Proverbs where she says, my son, and she goes in through the how to, um, the royal upbringing of a son, right? And the, the mother, the queen being the first teacher of legacy, regal, right? Multiplying. David was already known to be a warrior, right? And acquired the kingdom, right? And but it was able to give birth to something that multiplied. Samson was the wisest, wealthiest man. And behind the scenes, she raised him and gave him everything to understand what it was to continue to now embody divine feminine and divine masculine, all powerful, all knowledgeable. Right? Nothing. Yeah. So I just ah, listen. Listen. I joke a lot about it and I, I'm like pretty dead serious about it. Like I don't see myself like dating anybody soon and I am fine with that. I don't see myself um out here trying to be in these savage streets where I'm trying to tell you that I'm a loving person, that I just want to have your companionship, that I would love to be your friend, you know, and all the stigmas and the words that come with it. Oh, now you want to be friend zone. And oh, now you want um, a marriage license so you can get alimony and be protected for. I don't think you're worth that. Oh, you've already been through all of these relationships and now you're jaded and now you're expecting us to step up to all these protections and blah, blah, blah. You know, just brutal, savage. I ain't worth shit in these streets right now. <laughs> Not a preference. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it's like if I were to to have the kind of love where it's a divine masculine where he's out there getting stuff done, strong, in tune with his divinity, Understand that he has a mission, not afraid, having the courage. You know what it's like for him to come back or him getting ready and Zipporah is getting his breakfast and everything ready. And he's like, babe, I'm going to go see Pharaoh. She's like, babe, you going to do what? She's like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to Pharaoh. I'm going to tell him to let my people go. What? Those people have been in Russia for 400 years. What makes you think that they're, he's going to let them go? Yeah, baby, it's time to let them. They need to go. Like, I've been in touch with my mission. I've been in touch with Divine Source. I was born for this. I understand how these things work. I had, uh, you know, upbringing. And it's like, I know how to talk to him when I get there. I know when I walk in there, I have presence and the way to articulate, and I know how they move, and that's where all the magic comes in. Oh, don't make me get started, right? That's where the magic comes in, because it's like they were given counterfeit, but he knew what it was. It's like he had already had the chance to observe how they move, but when you tap into the real source, he was able to counteract all of it. Can you imagine what it was like for Divine Masculine to come back home and you and the little kids, the little brown chocolate babies, just all huddle up around him listening to to Daddy Divine Masculine Moses talk about, yeah, and you know how it is. You know he had to have a little bit of swag, you know, be like, 
trying to just be like kind of peeping at his wife still, be like impressing her still, but still kind of like, you know, have his chest out and type of thing. And he's like, yeah, I walked in there, you know, I just strolled in there with my brother Aaron and we told him it was about to go down and he tried to do this magic trick and we showed him how it really went down. I threw down my rod at it ate their snakes. What? All the kids are like, oh, hell yeah. That's my dad. Like, that's just crazy. And we like, baby, let me get you something to eat. I know you must be hungry. Let's get you like the best fatted cow. You know, let's get you a little bit more extra milk and honey. Cause he's like, yeah, cause I'm gonna go back out there, you know, in a couple weeks and let them, you know, check and see what's going on. And he's like, all right, let me get you, you know, let me get stuff ready together for you. Pack your suitcase. You got some things to do. Be talking to her sister and her cousins and stuff like, girl, can you believe Moses went in there? He 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 went in there and he told these people, let my people go. They've been in oppression, all the policy, the legislation, the employment, labor laws, and type of stuff. And he just went in there and told them, listen, this is what this house going down. Dude, that's a good one. That's a good one. But his love interest, the one that he came to, you know, at the end of the day, his wife, the mother of his children, was his a black woman. It was a black woman, yo. I wanted to also mention, like, from his dad's side, like, as strong and as action-oriented and in, t- in tune with his divinity, it was um, Zipporah's dad, you know, but this, but this is the thing. That's why I, it's like, there's more out there that's not revealed to you. You have to really drill down into the scripture, the ones that they take away from you. But there's, um, cause it's not in the Bible Bible. It's not in the King James version Bible that the white man gave you. Things have been removed for, you know, to keep you in a certain set way of thinking and approaching things but it was the poorest dad so i'm only gonna guess it's just me but i could be wrong but i'm guessing if she's black her daddy had to be black but i mean you know it's gonna be some people that gonna be like no it was it no but okay okay though but it was the poorest dad that came to him and gave him an idea of delegating right um moses was at a point where they were depending for him on on so many different levels, but also he was a judge. And so that meant that people were coming to him to make decisions about property and property lines and sales and, you know, everything having to do with civil affairs and civil, and he was getting burnt out. He was getting burnt out, but I love that even the father at that point was looking out for his daughter because from the way that it sounds is like she must have written him and been like, my husband's not coming home until late night. He's tired. And the father, if you if you look at the other scripture that's been removed, right, he came out to see his son-in-law, right? And I think that's so loving. It's definitely another attribute of divine masculine. It's like, it's always the poor, it's always going to be his baby girl. And that love of taking on and looking out for the brother, for the son-in-law. And he sat with him and he said, listen, I don't want you to be burnt out. I still need you around for my, 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 my baby girl. I still need you around for my grandkids. You know, I want you to live a long, prosperous life. And it's like, they, you cannot be letting these people stress you out. It's like, when I'm running my business over here, 
this is what I'm doing. You need to, to delegate and let them work their way up and the smaller matters get taken care. You know, you're going to train other people, have a mentorship. But it, that's so interesting to me too, because it's like, I think we kind of, I love the idea of mentorship. Ooh. So, you know, it's this whole idea of the father-in-law pouring into Moses um, but then they set in place the first internship program, right? The first mentorship program where uh, the first apprenticeship program where it's like you train the youth how to handle the civil, you know, the smaller pro- problems. Those who have been around a little bit longer and elders and have a little bit more experience then if it's not fixed at that level can go to the next level. And so, but by the time it gets to Moses, it's only the most difficult situations and he's not being torn and pulled into all these different directions. But yeah, I just wanted to come on here and say that, listen, I, I, I in my heart, like I kind of talk, I don't really t- share everything that I know is going on in the spiritual realm. But I've been, if you've been with me, I've been talking about spiritual placements and I've kind of hinted at the whole idea that, you know, if if more of us, because your pastor is not going to ever tell you this. For those of you all who still celebrate Christmas in, in uh, December, yeah, shout outs to you. But, but your pastor, but you don't want to talk bad about your pastor, but your pastor is allowing you to have Christmas in December. But yeah, okay, you're mad at me though. Okay. But I feel like, you know, your pastor is not going to tell you that you need to study astrology. Because when Jesus was born, it was 12 magi, not three. Okay. It was 12 magi. And they were well-versed in the placements of the stars. They studied the, the placements of the stars. And really the, for all of the people to be Christian and to have a certain lineage, there should have been more people that knew that Jesus was going to be born. In fact, it was the 12 Magi, and I believe, oh my gosh, I don't remember this lady's name. I want to say it was Ruth, but I know it wasn't Ruth. Was it Abigail? There was one woman who knew that, um, oh, Ah, there was there was one another woman who knew that Jesus was going to be born, but it should have been more of them. But that means to tell you that people weren't paying attention to the planetary placements. Right. And the Magi were wealthy, which means that they were using that information to make decisions of when to buy and when to sell and how to move and when to move. I made a, a podcast that says when the stars or when the planets move, I move just like that. When you move, I move just like that. Right. And I talk about the planetary placements, and I know that there's something happening in the cosmos that are similar to the time that when Jesus was born, okay? So that means maybe in another 20 years, 30 years, if you look at how long, you know, 33 years until he stepped into his ministry, same thing with Moses, um, and Joseph, it took, you know, it's a little while, while out, but more people should have known that Jesus was, when Jesus was born, but your pastor is not going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Ask your pastor, well, if the Magi were able to look at the planetary placements in astrology and figure out when Jesus was going to be born, well, then how come you're telling us that we can't study astrology? I mean, I would like to know, you know, how things work out and to be able to take care of my finances and, and be able to be wealthy as well. 
you know, and have the frankincense and gold and incense and myrrh, just like the, and they're going to tell you, no, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, you're going to have to depend on um, when we tell you information and we don't even know for ourselves. That's why we're going to tell you, you know, don't even dabble with it because it's going to put too much power into your hands. And then you're not going to be coming to church and giving me tithes for information that I don't know when um, really, Jesus came and ripped the cord so that you can find out this information for yourself and you've been really liberated. So you don't even have to come to me for information. But anyways, yeah. 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 This Christmas, ask your pastor if, if you know, what they think about you deciding to study the planetary stars because if, if the stars tell you when Jesus was going to be born, then they're probably going to tell you other important life uh life events yeah go ahead ask them ask them how that goes while you celebrating in december though but okay <laughs> Ooh. but yeah moses was was married to a black woman and then i don't know a divine source is really working with me on my heart um most of you know my journey what i've been, been through and Right now, I'm just in a space where I'm like, I'm happy. And I think he's allowing me to just be a happy cow and roam through the pastures and enjoy the greenery and the grass beneath my feet and to enjoy the sun. But it's like, I feel, and there's stuff be happening behind the scenes too, but it's kind of like, he'd be trying to prompt me like, no, you got a divine masculine and he's going to fall in love with your black self, your melanated self, your thick lips, your forcey hair, your dark skin, your sun-kissed skin, the beloved skin, like Song of, so- you know, Song of Solomon, his boo was was black too. Queen of Sheba was black too. And he's, he keeps telling me, he's like, at the end of the day, baby girl, but it's like, let me just, you know what, I'm, I'm talking to Divine Source a little bit right now too. Like, just, just let me just, can I just, can I just, you know, before my night with the king, like Esther, can I just have a little bit of time for beautification? Let me get myself together. Let me have the rose baths and go through the purification process, the beautification process. Can I just, let me just relax a little bit before I have to step up into another realm and another role. And even right now, as I'm saying this, I guess I, I know it's, it's the answer is already, you know, just kind of like laughing, like it's already answered, you know. Good twin flame love. To be loved with for the skin I'm in. And it would be an honor to be a divine counterpart. You know, because there's other there's other archetypes that, that worked alone. And I'm comfortable with that right now, right? Right? But it would be an honor to be a divine counterpart for someone who had courage was able to say whole entire things like, let my people go, knowing that it's going to cripple their economy, their labor, the power behind it, 400 years of oppression. And he just went in there with his whole entire chest and was like, let my people go and was in tune and understood that he had a mission and was not, there's some, you know, little stories here and there that he was afraid, right? Understandably, right? You just never know. But it's like, he did it, and that would be an, I would that would be an honor for me to pro, to provide and make his meals and to make sure that when he comes home he can rest and be well taken care of and nourished 
right? It will be an honor to be the melanated divine counterpart of a Moses, right? So, y'all, it's Saturday, Shabbat Shalom. (laughs) I'm going to sign off here. Oh, my goodness. That was so beautiful to me. Um. And I know it, it can probably trouble some of you guys because, like, she keeps talking about scripture and Christianity and stuff. I think either you get it or you don't. It's like, you kind of have to understand, I don't believe that it's the way that they packaged it and sold it to me um, at all. I think that there's half truths and half, you know, so I have to discern and read it for myself and understand for myself and use my own intuition, right? So a lot of hidden secrets and gems in there, but it allows me to thrive in other areas of life too, because I can see things like even when I do the Oracle readings, I can pick up on the imagery, the sentiments, what's the the principle behind it? What's the message behind it? You know, it's not that blind faith of Christianity where it's like, I'm just going about what's fed to me or what, you know, some people just be like four, four pentacles and just keep going through it. But it's like, no, what is the image telling you? What is the timing? What is the sentiment behind it? What does this mean on the grander scheme of things? All right, I'm going to sign off. Charging you with love, with the love of your life. Love of your life is you, boo. So show up for yourself. Going to charge you with light and black light because black light illuminates invisible. Going to charge you with health, with wealth, with wisdom and prosperity. Love each and every one of you. Love the skin you're in. And until the next one, peace.